0: and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watch Snowpiercer, directed by Bong Joon-ho and released in 2013. The plot of Snowpiercer goes something like this. In the future, a failed climate change experiment kills all life on the planet except for a lucky few who boarded the Snowpiercer, a train that travels around the globe, divided into a rigid class system.
1: Yes, that is that is this movie. So, um, this movie is getting a lot of buzz at the moment because, um, there's been this huge animosity between Bong Joon-ho and, um, the Weinstein Company, who were um, who are the um the net not network American distributors. distributors. The American distributors behind the movie. And uh, they wanted um Bong Jun Ho to, to make a whole bunch of changes. He refused and so they choked off all its all of its distribution, basically.
0: Okay. So we're getting a director's cut though, I think. What? Well, no, that was the director's cut. Yes. What we so saw we, because- we saw a director's cut, which is what got the release, yes. Yes.
1: Because yeah. he refused to change it for the release. Mm-hmm. So, they tried to cut it and he refused and then they just choked
0: off all the release. Yeah, which means it's had a really limited release. It's got a really limited, really, even more limited release here in Australia and we managed to track it down on iTunes where it is available, I think, in the American store.
1: And it is was also number one when yeah. we uh, watched it. It was the number one most downloaded movie, which tells you that clearly there's a really big audience out there for this movie that the producers or the um the distributors are just ignoring because they're dicks.
0: It's... uh. It's getting huge, huge buzz on Tumblr and Twitter and everywhere we live online, and not just because it's got Chris Evans in it, but it's not hurting, No, but also because it's kind of – well, I think it's a really fabulous take on a lot of – we're seeing a lot of dystopian stuff lately, and this is a really good take on dystopia.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, I want to set up the world a little bit more, um, just so that people have an idea of what's going on in this movie, but I also want to say we're definitely going to talk spoilers. Um, so I really advise everybody to go out and watch this movie and then come back and listen to this podcast because it's a really great movie, but also we have to spoil you in order to talk about it because I think we can talk about maybe the first, like, 20 minutes without spoiling too much and then everything else is going to be spoily.
0: So if you don't know anything more than Train and Dystopia. And Chris Evans. And Chris Evans, go away now and come back when you've seen it. And it's worth it, so go see it. Okay, so we start out um, on this train –
1: the it's all separated into segments by class basically so like they've got the lowest class poorest people in the tail end of the train there's hundreds of them all crammed together in the little spaces they've all got like makeshift bunks and all that sort of thing they're all very dirty um and that's where Chris Evans and his band of revolutionaries live. Um, and they are spurred on by their, um, their mentor who is played by John Hurt, whose name is Gilliam. Um, Chris Evans plays Curtis and his sidekick is, uh, Jamie Bell. I can't remember his character's name. Edgar. So, and then, uh, they all have decided to rise up against the upper class, the front end people. Um, and each segment of the train is separated by these gates that are you know automated um and so in order to like start this revolution they have to go and find a korean man named Nangs. hang on um namgung minsu um i think they call him nam for most of the movie is that
0: right yeah something like that they
1: call him something um fairly sim- simple throughout yeah. the movie so namgung minsu who is played by kang ho song who i thought was great um
0: and Pro- probably Song Kang Ho, given that this is at IMDb and they've got it backwards. They've got ah, the director's right. name backwards, but
1: yeah, cool. Okay, yeah. So Song Kang Ho. Um and. So they have to go and find him in order for their revolution to be successful. And they have to go all the way to the front of the train where the engine is. And the engine is protected by a man called Wilford, who is the ruler over everybody and oh-so-special. And uh Tilda Swinton's mason works for him and worships him and is basically
0: generally hilarious. She's so brilliant. <laughs> she's this fabulous – she's – Margaret Thatcher would be probably her most direct inspiration, but she's this government She's She has a role like a government minister. I think they even call her minister at some point, Minister Mason or something. I don't know. I know they call her Sir. Yeah, they call her Sir. Uh, So she's clearly a representative of Wilton, Wilford. No, Wilton, I don't know why. Wilford. I kept wanting to call him Wilfred. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so she uh, goes down. She deals with the back end of the train. The riffraff, but she is so wonderful. She looks like she got dressed in 1985 and never changed. Did her hair and and never changed, and she talks. Well, she talks like she just moved, walked out of Yorkshire yesterday. She's terrific, she's and so, she gets all the best lines. And in has the movie. These fabulous false teeth, and <laughs> is just this scenery chewing villain, and just brilliant. I don't know about villain. I think she's an antagonist. I don't
1: know if you would call her a straight up villain because she's more like well i think the villain is clearly wilford right so yeah. she's more like a kind of a, a no, secondary antagonist she, figure yes
0: she's um, well she's far, she's a really interesting kind of study in how people who've got a little bit of power will do anything to keep anybody else getting any power she's the umbridge yes um basically but yeah she's i mean she's awful but she's
1: yeah i wouldn't exactly call her a straight up villain so much um but she she does a terrific job she also gets all of the best lines in the movie oh yeah um i love that one it's such a tonic was one of my favourites. <laughs> but she gets loads of great lines and she delivers them all terrifically. She's very, very good in this. Um, Definitely a scene-stealing role, again, mm. from Tilda Swinton. Um, Chris Evans I also thought was very good in this. I think most of the cast is really good. There's a lot of really interesting people in minor roles. I was really excited when I realised that Luke Pasqualino was in this movie. But the thing is, we'd seen him
0: a bunch before that, but he was like this silent ninja guy. We were just, Well, we were just calling him shirtless guy because he was giving... <laughs> He was just going around shirtless. Abs McNinja? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. So I kept not looking at his face. <laughs> I was like, oh, it's Luke Pasqualino, how nice. Um, and Ewan Bremner, who I saw his name in the credits and then went, oh, Um, who was unrecognisable. Octavia I
0: mean, Spencer. Um, John Hurt. John Hurt. Well, we already talked about him, yeah, and Jamie Bell and... Yeah. Alison Pill turns up for a bit. <laughs> Alison Pill is also really funny in this actually.
1: Mm. Um and a kind of scary weird funny thing. And eventually uh, Ed Harris shows up as Wilford. Yes. Um so what <laughs> Basically they the revolution is just like it it's kind of an episodic movie where they go through parts of the train and as they get further down the train it gets more opulent um and weirder. At one point there's a the, they go through an aquarium part. And my jaw sort of dropped. I was like, "They have an aquarium." And then I know I should have figured it out. Well, from they the ate fish, sushi, I, so you know the fish no, gotta come from somewhere. No, that's this—that's the next thing that happens. So they get to the aquarium, uh, and she goes, "Do you want some sushi?" And I oh, thought right. it was like a joke. No, no. But there's a guy there serving sushi, and you're like, "What?" Apparently, only twice a year. But yeah, that's the thing—is like the whole movie. I had those moments where I was just like. What?
0: Well, what is happening? So the world building of the train is a little bit weird, and it—I don't. It's possible that they didn't have time to explain it all, but it seems like the train, because the world has been frozen by this experiment, science experiment gone bad, and the train sucks in snow and ice from the outside world, converts it into water, and that provides the life force for the rest of the train. But the train has like chickens and cows and pigs and or at least the meat of these animals so it's obviously getting that from somewhere or they managed to pick up some chickens and cows before they left and got on the train i don't entirely know somehow they got fish yeah it's
1: i mean wilford talks about how it was whole is his whole plan and you know the train was going to go um around the world and it would take a year to go around the world and he had all this stuff in place i'm just not sure how yeah the ecosystem of the world really works but then also there's this really <laughs> casual sort of uh lack of respect for human life in it and like at the end they sort of explain that but they don't explain why they shoot through the windows of the train like surely it would be important to keep the integrity of the train intact it's freezing outside and people die if they walk outside. So isn't it important to well, not the person shoot, who shoot through windows?
0: Yeah, but that person who does that is the guard who's completely gone off his nut. But that's the thing is
1: that he's clearly working on the on the um on the commands of Wilford. But his command is to kill the guy, not shoot through the windows. No, I know, but but at the same time, like, Wilford doesn't care if, if some first-class people die. He's annoyed that more first-class people died than should have, and that's why he ends up killing Gilliam, who was in on it. Yeah. Um. But that seems really weird to me because then this other guy is working for him and he's shooting a bunch of the first-class people. So you're like, well, why didn't you kill that guy Well, the too? thing is, though,
0: <sighs> every person on the train is a threat Like, if you're in the – the higher up the classes you are, every other person on the train is a threat to your resources in some way, even if they're also in first class and have a lot themselves. If you kill one of them, that's more for you. And if you kill down in the, the tail end, you kill people, it makes things easier for you as well because, again, more resources and you don't have to worry about feeding the tail. It's weird because there's
1: almost no resources going to the tail. Mm. Like they're making, they, they well, yeah, give them that... protein made of bugs,
0: which is weird. Where do they get the bugs? <laughs> well, same place they get the cows and the chickens and the fish. I know, right? But the, if I they've assume. got all of that stuff, then where do they get all these bugs? And like, I don't know. Well, yeah, but it's obviously a very clear metaphor for our world and how most of us are actually down in the tail, eating bugs, dealing with very little resources and fighting for what we can, while people who are wealthy sit up the front and eat steak and don't care. Right,
1: I understand the metaphor stuff. What I, I I feel like they either should have embraced one, w- w- gone one way or the other, right? Like, I I didn't know this was a comic book before I watched the movie. No, me neither. And then when I was watching the movie, I was like, "This has got to be a comic book." It felt like a comic book. There were the characters were a little too heightened and a little too comic booky and also there were scenes that i felt like were panels like you could pull them out as a panel from mm. a comic book you know um and the way that the story was told and stuff like that felt a little bit comic booky well, especially and, like a dark indie comic book mm,
0: and and it was quite cgi so it it looks like it's almost every everything that isn't the actual characters looks like it's animated apart from the tail section like everything outside the train and a lot, and once you start getting towards the front of the train the rooms look even more visually um Unusual or just sort of detached, like an, you're looking at a piece of artwork, not a an, not a place where people live.
1: Yeah, I wondered where about all of the uh, technicalities, like toilets um, and things like that. Anyway, um, but the the point that I was trying to make is, I think they should have either embraced that completely, like that it was this sort of crazy fantasy world, and they shouldn't have tried to make it real, or they should have tried to make it more real and ditched more of the fantasy elements of it, because mm-hmm. I think they were trying to walk a line that that was the only real issue for me. Like, the only problem that I really had with it was like, yeah, but this doesn't make sense. <laughs> like, and, and if it had completely embraced the this doesn't make sense, you'd be like, well, okay, that's another thing that doesn't make sense. But then they sort of go, well, these things are all real, but then these things aren't. And the mm. ending I didn't like very much either.
0: Well, it's not very satisfying, is it? <laughs> it's not just that, it's
1: dumb. I'm sorry, the ending is dumb. They decide to uh blow up the whole train and like kill everybody to s- like cuz they want to go outside, right? Mm. But you would think that the security guy who knows all the mechanics of the train and made all the doors would know that blowing the door open outside the train would cause the whole train to like collapse and and fall apart
0: and die, and especially as they're on bridges a lot of the time. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and that was really annoying because you're like, you should know better than this. And they basically just sacrificed everybody so that, like, one teenage girl and one little boy could live. That's not really very hopeful for the f- future of humanity.
0: No, but it is how revolutions work, where you basically end up having to blow everything apart in order to make it start again. Yeah, I understand that,
1: but usually you have a few more people to start with. You'd hope, yeah. <laughs> like, it's a bit two people at the end of this movie, a 17-year-old girl and, like, a five-year-old boy. That's it. Mm-hmm. I understand, like, the journey of the character and all that sort of stuff, but, jeez, that was – and I don't know, there was something about the very bit front of the train that felt a little like the, the conversation that he had with Ed Harris mm. just didn't all come together properly for me.
0: Yeah. Well, I got the idea that the Chris Evans character is an unreliable narrator. He seems like he's gotten stuck and he's decided not to do anything and then he, it takes him longer to – I don't really – quite get what was going on there either
1: um so he goes up there and he starts talking to ed harris to wilford and then wilford reveals that basically everything he knows is a lie and that gilliam was working with him which is also weird because they talk about how um everybody was eating each other and eating babies at the back of the train when they first got on and then gilliam cut off his own arm and offered it to people yeah and then he ended up working with wilford like that's odd. I feel like there's a whole lot of story there that we don't get to see. Because otherwise, why would that happen? There's a lot of that towards the end of the movie. I was suddenly questioning everybody's motivations. So I was like,
0: why would you do that? That's dumb. well, that's the thing. It makes you seem. It makes everybody seem like. Well, I don't actually think you're the character I knew you were. My reading was that Gilliam was working for him before he cut his arm off. Like he was working for Wilford always, mm. and was just had been sent down the back of the train to kind of keep them in order and. But he cut his arm off. I know. Like, that's a pretty extreme thing to do uh-huh. when you're just sort of there under orders. But I guess if you're old and the world has basically ended and you're stuck on this stupid train, like, you're still not going to cut your arm off. People are... What, the the other guy shooting through the windows is, it does exactly the same kind of thing. It's a really stupid, self-defeating thing. Shooting through the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. Exactly. It's the same kind of
1: thing, right? It It is. But, like, the... <laughs> No, I, it would make sense for an old man who, like, wanted to genuinely help people to do that.
0: Mm. But if he was a bad guy the
1: whole time.
0: I don't think he was a bad guy. I think he was just, like, he, I have a feeling he was a tail and passenger who was offered a li- few little comforts if he would do a little bit of collaboration with Wilfred. Oh, that's not what I got at all. Oh, yeah. I thought they were friends before they
1: got on the train. No. no. And had planned it all. It's all very misleading yeah. and well, they could, that was part it, of what I had a problem with. read it either way.
0: Yeah, like, it was – yes.
1: Like, that's one of the problems with twist endings. You're mm. like, but then that stuff doesn't make sense. But anyway, um, yeah, that just – like, the whole sort of end part of it, like, especially even before that when he starts fighting um, Nam mm. and he, they, they start fighting with each other and you're like, really, this is what we're doing now? There's three of you left. Because, by the way, they kill off everybody else. They kill off everybody that everybody. we like. <laughs> they kill Octavia Spencer. They kill Tilda Swinton. They kill Luke Pasqualino. Oh, they the, kill Ewan Bramner. Um, little Jamie Bell is the first to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I got really cynical then.
0: Well, we saw him die. We're like, yeah,
1: he hasn't read the sidekick manual. Of course he's going to die. And there's, I mean, the, the moment when he actually dies is terrific. That bit I wasn't cynical about because mm. I was like, wow, that's really cool, because he's being threatened by a bag the the creepy bad guy. Mm. Um I'm gonna call him hair flip. So he's being threatened by hair flip and Tilda Swinton is being saved. And Chris Evans has to choose between going to get Tilda Swinton so that they can continue their evolution or going back and saving Jamie Bell. And he decides to go after Tilda Swinton yeah. and Jamie Bell gets killed. And, and he has this moment of realization where he's like, oh, shit, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. But I think he also, there's this implication that like he's okay with that or mm-hmm. that he understands or something before he dies. Yeah. And that was great. Yes. That was an interesting moment for the hero. Yeah, yeah. Um, well,
0: because it it goes against every cliche. Every every hero we're used to would go back and save their friend. Kind of reminds
1: me of Mal in Firefly. Yeah, where Mal makes those decisions. Mal is the guy. I mean, he probably wouldn't leave anybody that is in his team to die. That's but like he no, he will shoot he an wouldn't. unarmed man to protect. Like, he makes the unexpected decisions. And they'd clearly all decided to be in this together. They knew what the risks were. Mm -hmm. A lot of people die doing this. And so it seems like Curtis is as willing to die as anybody else is. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of, it was interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, But then afterwards, there's all these, like, everybody is so upset that Jamie Bell died, and we get lots of shots of Jed Jamie Bell. And you're like, oh, no, the named character died. Because this is a scene where, like, there's hundreds of corpses on the ground.
0: Yeah, people in in their tail end are being shot all the time. It's something like 74% of you will make it through or 74% of you will die. Will die,
1: yeah. And then he says, no, no, save 18 because it's our 18th anniversary. Mm. It, that was, but then there's all these shots and you're like, really? Mm. <laughs> oh, no, that one named character that we liked died. And he was great. Like, he was funny and he was impatient and he was really consistent in his characterization. yeah. Um, one of the better minor characters in terms of building them up. Because, I mean, really, Octavia Spencer had I'm a brave mum.
0: Yeah, basically, mum a bear. That was it.
1: Yeah. Um, so, and Ewan Bremner has had I have no arm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's armless. I did say that at one point. <laughs> That's I said, all right. oh, don't worry about him. He's armless. That's okay, because she had to put up with me imitating Tilda Swinton. So. <laughs>
1: we we were said even. the same thing twice in this movie. One time it was repeating a line from the movie, but the other time um, Ed Harris said, it's your destiny, and, and we, we both, both went, um, <laughs> I am your density. <laughs> but, yeah, there's a lot of inconsistent or shallow characterization of a lot of other people, and I think the quality of the people that they – Cast kind of brought that up a little bit, yeah. but I felt like that was kind of one of the the two dimensional comic booky s- things in the movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, there was. And as you pointed out, there w- there are an awful lot of men in the tail section, or in the an whole lot train. Of men in
1: the well, I said um, an awful lot of men survived the apocalypse, right?
0: Well, again, that's something that's not very clear. Did did these people survive and then get put on the train, or did they know that the apocalypse was coming and scrounge together money to get on the train? Like, it's not ever made clear.
1: No, that's another thing that, like, either you mm-hmm. go full tilt at this being completely crazy or you try and make it more real. I think that was another one. Yeah. Like, either don't explain anything. So, we're like, oh, yeah, everybody just got on the train. Yeah,
0: it's not explained. It's, it sort of doesn't need to be, but it doesn't. we don't know.
1: But, yeah, I felt like if you're going to explain some things, you need to explain all of them. Yep. You can't just be half-arsed at it. Mm-hmm. It looks great,
0: I thought. Oh, it's beautiful. It looks terrific. I, I- love that. That's really CG aesthetic of outside the train. It never looks really like – it never looks real. It always looks like it's drawn, but it works that way. And there's there's a really unified aesthetic of how the train looks and how the world looks around it. Yeah, it's that very high contrast –
1: um, it's all dark and gritty at the back, but then it gets lighter as they go further mm. down the train, and there's more colourful as well.
0: More colourful, yeah, brighter and more colourful. And there's also these like bursts of light. Light yeah. is used in a really well good way. Yes, because again, the back section of the train is being deprived of light. And the first colourful person we see is Wilford's assistant coming to measure up the children in her bright yellow coat. And we've had a few minutes of just grey. everything is grey, everyone's face is dirty, everything is dark. And then this woman in a yellow coat arrives, and does her business. And then Tilda Swinton in her yellow—she's got a yellow coat too and a, a white outfit. She's very bright and colourful, and it's that's how the front of the train is represented, and that's how we—that's the first colour we see. I don't think she was wearing white. Not that it matters. A White blouse, like a blouse. Mm, that's later. Is it the first? Uh, the first outfit, outfit is, she wears is
1: different. She's,
0: yeah, its like a yellow fur coat. Yeah, and it's darker purple. underneath. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> that doesn't matter. I was, I was too busy looking at her teeth. <laughs> yeah,
1: she's, but also she had a great speech, and it was such oh. a weird, like awkwardly put together oh speech. But it was so Don't good. Don't be a shoe. <laughs> Don't be a shoe. No, no, no. You are a shoe. Be a oh, shoe. Be a shoe. <laughs> You're not. Don't a Don't be a hat. <laughs> and then when she puts the shoe on you and Bremner's head, as yeah, with his, his arm is, is like out the- hanging out the wind- uh, out the um side of the train. Also they go at this altitude it'll take this long right but then at the end of the movie we establish that all the snow and ice is melting anyway yeah yeah so wouldn't it have been warmer maybe that not, again <laughs> i don't know inconsistencies um and there's all these little bits that like that um nam talks about throughout mm. the movie where he's like i know it's getting warmer outside because of these different things yep. and he was right but like I liked how there was this one little thing that he doesn't say when he's looking at the window. We don't see what's out there. Mm. And then he's like, I saw. No, I'm not going to tell you that. It doesn't matter because you're not <laughs> going to believe me. And then at the end of the movie, we see the polar bear and you're like, ah, yes, those hardy polar bears that we're already killing off now.
0: Yeah. Well, having watched *Pandemic* on the same day as this, which we're going to talk about next week, so I don't want to ruin anything for you. But this was like the, it had the, the same heavy environmental message. It just wasn't White as heavy as Bademic. No, I mean it
1: wasn't. It wasn't it a was heavy so- environmentalist message. I don't think it was just an environmental message, yeah. and it makes sense for this world. But I, I still don't really like that ending. Obviously, I do like the assistant Wilford's assistant though. Yeah, yeah, because she was so odd. Yeah, like so crazy. And there's a moment where um, where Wilford says you have to be crazy to survive on this train, and I was like, that explains a lot. I I was just like, no shit. <laughs>
0: of course, <laughs> look at all these people.
1: I think also I really liked how kinetic and energetic the filmmaking was considering their very limited tight space. Mm. Like you watch a lot of things like this. Um, at the moment I'm suddenly thinking of Stargate Universe. Yep. Possibly uh. not the best example. but No, you know. but
0: that, we did, that made me think of Battlestar Galactica as well. It def, definitely but- that – Ca- claustrophobia
1: i i meant in terms of a bad one Battlestar galactic is a good one mm. right? Oh, right like yep. it is claustrophobic but you they also get that energy and that movement mm. in mm-hmm. whereas stargate universe is like an example of a bad one for me oh yeah like it feels so static and so claustrophobic, and like every set is the same, and they try and do it at different angles and it doesn't work. They don't have that energy in there. Mm. Um, whereas this one did a really good job of having this very tight, confined space and making you feel like it was tight and confined, but also keeping you engaged and like keeping the world moving and keeping the camera work moving and stuff. Mm um and they broke up like a really really long battle scene by suddenly having it switch to night vision at one point yeah
0: oh that was great right and it also showed up that we'd seen these soldiers with their eyes covered and we we're like what what's going on here they of course they'll beat them and then oh no wait of course that of course the battle is rigged of course it is blind ninjas <laughs> but yeah that's
1: that was really interesting mm. um there were a lot of really like cool bits although i did as the train went on i was like there's less and less logic Mm. And it's more and more insane.
0: Oh, God, yeah. That kindergarten classroom with Alison Pill, like, what? I know, but I loved that. I, but the, the the kids are so insane. She's so insane. It's brilliant. She's so crazy. And the, she's got no control over the kids whatsoever.
1: Mm. Um, But she's yeah. also, like, so into Wilford and the engine and they're all worshipping the engine. Mm. And so – because the, the other great thing about it is that the tail enders are like, what the f*** is this? Mm what is going on because they're They're like oh we have a bad life but it's not this bad well no it's more like we have a bad life but what the hell are these guys on like how do they how are they so they're so removed from reality
0: yeah exactly
1: um Mm. and Alison pill is just terrific again like social metaphor yes um and That also, the end of that scene is so great. When he opens the little case and it says blood and then the guns come out of the eggs. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... Yeah. There's so many good things about this movie, but I just find myself kind of frustrated with it.
0: I just... I think I had... uh, My expectations were built up a little because there was such buzz around it.
1: I think that might be a problem, but also I think that I really did get that sensation of, like... Not in the tail end. Once we got, because I was riveted,
0: like I got my, put my computer away when yeah, I we had dinner. Yeah, we both did. We both put our computers down for this movie. So clear. And afterwards, I couldn't stop thinking about it either. I was, I kept going through bits and like thinking back on it, and it's really well done. Yeah,
1: I was still buzzing from it. Like I couldn't go to sleep for a while. Mm. Um, I,
0: I went and watched something else to kind of clear my brain from it because otherwise I would have just been I, – and I couldn't for a while. I had to stop and, like, not watch my other show for a bit because I was like, no, I need to think about this some more. <laughs> well, you know how I'm feeling about revolutions at the moment. We talked about it last week. I'm all all excited about the idea of revolutions <laughs> and how they work. And so it was just super fascinating and to watch it done so well. I think well. this was a lot better than Dawn of the Planet oh, of the Apes. Yeah, it was. I feel really, I actually want to, like, redo my mark for Dawn of the Planet of the Apes because, anyway, um, in, in hindsight. Yeah, I, I kind of got
1: those, there were those moments where I was like, this feels like a comic book to me. Mm. Um, and there were quite a few of them. I think Luke Pasqualino's character kind of felt,
0: because he was mute. In, in hindsight, it feels much more comic-y. There
1: were, there were other little things too. Like, I felt like Octavia Spencer would have been a great, Minor character in a comic book, mm. but she wasn't quite given enough to do on screen. No. It's kind of sad as well that it has these great female characters and still can't manage to pass the Bechdel test at all. No. Um, because the only conversations that Octavia Spencer has with a woman are, have you seen this boy about her son? Mm. Um, and oh, it no, might th- actually, actually with Alison it- Pillen and, um, and Tilda Swinton.
0: I feel like it, I thought it did, but perhaps I'm I've missed it.
1: Other than that, I don't, I don't think, think any women have conversations. Yeah.
0: No, and and we did uh, obviously notice the lack of women.
1: The thing is there's not – like the main team has a couple women, although it's not mm. even by any stretch of the imagination. But, yeah, it is really weird that there's just women every. I mean, there's men everywhere up until they get to, like, the front caverns.
0: Mm. And you would think in – you know, if you're going to have a post-apocalyptic society, you're going to need women. Although, again, then that was my – my thought was – did they die in childbirth? Like, did they not have enough access to medicine and things like that? Yeah, but clearly the front does. Yes, clearly the um, front does. But the front is obviously a minority. Yes. But, like, there's, you know, they fight all those
1: blind ninjas, yeah. right? And all those blind ninjas are men. Yeah. Um And yet we see the women fighting. So you're like, well, why don't you just train women to be ninjas as well? Like, why? I don't know. Um, And at the beginning of the movie, Chris Evans, uh, um, Octavia Spencer is like, I want to come with you. And Chris Evans is like, no. And you're like, there's no reason for saying that other than that she's a woman. Yeah.
0: The other thing that often happens in dystopian futures is that the women are being used to breed. But of course, that's not the case in this one because they're concerned about the size of the population. Mm. It relates to fears about population overcrowding causing environmental disaster. And I just so obviously the women aren't breed like they're not being you know made to breed. So where are they? we they're nowhere. Yeah. they're in the nightclub this section is, of the train. That's right. This is film. This is filmmaker world where ev- the world is split up 70-30 between men and women.
1: And and like they let you and Bremner come with them. He has one arm. Yeah, but Katie, is armless. <laughs> but he had, like he, they let him come with them. But they're like, no, Octavia Spencer can't come with us. But you and Bremner's fine. Yeah. What? <laughs> I don't know. She gets more kicks in than Ewan Bremner does. Right, exactly. Like, I she is tougher than Ewan Bremner is, and she know. says that. And you've got I'm strong year as strong old... as any of the men.
0: Yeah, exactly, and the 17-year-old girl, she's fine. Oh, I don't know.
1: Also, uh, also, also, yes. major issue with the movie, um, and this is also, you know, but we're talking about spoilers anyway, um, at the end of the movie when he talks about the um, how Gilliam saved the baby, right, Mm-mm. and he's like, the baby was Edgar, and I'm like, there's no way that you are thirty. Four. Wait, 17 plus uh, 34, and Jamie Bell is 17. No, no,
0: I didn't. I wasn't even buying her being 17. I don't no, know. No, how- I could buy her being 17.
1: I mean, she was like in the little jail. <laughs> That's another question. How come they were in that jail, which is just beds? Right? Mm. They were in that jail for how long, and they just pull them out and they're fine?
0: Yeah, it, well, in like the morgue fridge things. Yes. I don't know that. And they're really, fine. I they're fighting
1: like five minutes later.
0: I don't know how anyone – it freaks me out because I would just freak out if I had to lie in something that small, I have to say. Yeah, mm-hmm. I know. And mm-hmm. they're fine. There's I no
1: problems. They just go along with the rest of the movie. Um, and the, when they have the little boy in the engine at the end of the movie, you're like,
0: w- what about feeding him? <laughs> yeah, how is he getting food down there? <laughs> How, how, is oh, how is he getting food how is he like they're going to the toilet there's two little boys and the other one comes out at one point and then the, they swap sh- they swap shifts they can't be fine
1: they can't suddenly come out of that and just start punching people they would have lost muscle tone uh-huh. yeah
0: i get it i get it
1: <laughs> that, that happened to me so many times in the movie i was like what how is this happening why would that happen anyway uh, the fish. why
0: the fish Is it intimidating for them to watch the fish get killed? I guess. I guess it's yeah. They look how many of these little creatures there are, and look how easily we kill them. I I don't know. So many things. That was. But the thing is, though, it actually it it all makes you think. Like you come out of this going, "What was? Well, what was? You could watch this a few times over and actually probably pick up more things and what's going on and what the messages are. I think.
1: Mm. Yeah. As I said, I like the movie. I do like the movie. It's just that every so often I got to that point where I was like, but this doesn't make sense. And I want it to make sense because I like this movie. I want to know why people are doing this because I like this movie, but then it doesn't make any sense why Gilliam did what he did. It just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand see, I
0: perfectly understand collaborating with the wealthy overlords to get a few little extra favours.
1: He cut off his arm. Yeah, I know. I don't understand cutting off your arm to get a few extra favours. Revolutionary fervour. He lost a leg as well, so I'm assuming he cut that off. I guess he did. Like he's he's a zealot. Also, there was that moment earlier in the movie where Chris Evans was talking about how he can't rule everybody with two good arms, because which was clearly a callback to Gilliam cutting off his own arm to feed yeah, people. Yeah. But when that happened, I was like, oh, Chris Evans is going to lose an arm. <laughs> And then at the end of the movie, he stuck his arm into the yeah. engine. And I was like, yep, there it is. There it is. Mm-hmm. And then he, you know, threw his arms around the two young people to protect them, which somehow worked because that's how that works. The two, only two people who survived were right next to the blast.
0: I don't know. Have you seen his guns? They're pretty
1: good. <laughs> anyway, oh. <laughs> there was also a moment in the movie where I was like, his hair is so soft and fuzzy. I want to rub it.
0: <sighs> yeah. Well, shaved heads are like that. They're gorgeous. It's not quite shaved. It was, like, longer than that. Just long enough for you to fuzz. Yep. Mm. It
1: was great. And then at one point he rubs his own hand through his hair and you're like, yep.
0: I understand that impulse.
1: (laughs) Yes. We like Chris Evans. Chris Evans is amazing. Chris Evans is a really, really great leading man. Do you
0: know, Truffle Shuffle is such a freaking enabler, though. I can't stop reblogging Chris Evans on our Tumblr. Yet she keeps reblogging him and they're so pretty and I have to reblog them because reasons. (laughs) <laughs> so we have lots, <laughs> we have lots of Chris Evans on our blog, on our Tumblr as it is. I am
1: fortunately uh, following a few people who uh, decided they liked Anthony Mackie after
0: the the Captain America movie, bit just like me. Of Anthony Mackie on our our Tumblr as well. Don't worry. Yes, I I started reblogging huge amounts. I don't of him. know what it is that Chris Evans does to me, but he makes me want to have his babies. I actually think, and this is
1: rather oddly mature, but I actually think he's a really good actor not just like (laughs) no i know but not just like he's i don't know i feel like in my head chris evans and chris pine are like at war and they're not at war but i have this thing where i'm like who is the better movie star right and i feel like they're both super talented and super hot but chris evans is winning right now because chris evans has made better choices Mm. And the only really good choice that Chris Pine made was Star Trek, and then they kind of went downhill a bit with Into Darkness. Um, and the other choices that
0: he makes are really bad, whereas Chris Evans makes really interesting good choices. And he's gonna—he's making even more interesting choices. He has—is not doing any acting outside of what he's contracted to for Marvel. He wants to go and direct. He's gonna go—he's gonna go Ben it's Affleck no, on it. That was made in 2012. All right. So from. Like, a year or so ago, he's just not doing any any more acting. He's going he's gonna to start directing, right? He's going to Ben Affleck us.
1: Which is exciting for you, but I thought Ben Affleck was kind of a shitty actor and was happy when he switched yeah, over to directing. Yeah, he was a directing. really good
0: director. <laughs> he became really good. But who knows what he could do?
1: I know, but he's so pretty. I want him on screen. <laughs> but maybe he'll direct himself. And he's both pretty and talented.
0: He, he's hopefully going to direct and that would be awesome.
1: Yeah, Evans and Pines are definitely my favourites out of the Chris's.
0: Yeah, Pine is my
1: favourite.
0: Oh, Evans, Pine, Hemsworth for me.
1: My favourite is Pine, even though I think Evans is a better leading man and is making better choices at the moment. There's something about Chris Pine. There's just something about him that I'm like, I want to go swimming in your eyes. He does the same thing to me that, you, that Evans <laughs> yeah. does to you. <laughs>
0: so embarrassing. <laughs> we can cut it if you want to. No, I don't no, mind. it's going in. We got a whole heap of new boy listeners this week. I want to
1: scare them off. <laughs> I don't mind if uh, if uh, everybody hears me talking about swimming in Chris Pine's eyes. That's I don't, That's fine I don't with mind me. if... Or how hot I am for Anthony Mackie. <laughs> See, I think I, I am actually more attracted to Anthony Mackie than Chris Evans. Good for you. We're <laughs> not going to
0: fight over men. Lucky That's us. Just <laughs> <laughs> um, um, the give- women.
1: Seems like with, with, no, with we worked actresses. that out.
0: You're friends with Vet Nicole Brown. I'm friends with Redder.
1: Yes, I'll take Vet Nicole Brown, and you can have Redder. She's Vet Nicole Brown is much better at Hollywood
0: Game Night, and Redder is way much more fun. Yes, yeah, so to be honest, they be both great. seem like a lot of fun. Yes,
1: Vet Nicole Brown was super competitive on Hollywood Game Night and really good at it.
0: Yeah, like she I actually need another kind of reminded me lab. of you
1: slightly. <laughs> so there you go. See, it works out well because. I'm friends with you and I would
0: like to be friends with Evette Nicole Brown. That's great. I don't know who Reddit reminds me of. I don't think she reminds me of you. She's Is a bit it? different from that. I've never sung opera in the car. I can't see you taking up stand-up comedy either. No. But you do like singing. Yeah, but not well. <laughs> She's a much
1: better singer than I am. Well. And also I'm I'm more of a behind-the-scenes kind of person Yeah, rather than an on stage performing jokes kind of person anyway
0: we should probably wrap the episode up what are you giving snowpiercer i will give snowpiercer four stars me too four stars for snowpiercer so we'll wrap this episode up then yay thanks for listening to the silver screen queens if you want to find the show notes for this episode you can do that on our website silverscreenqueens.com if you want to read katie's review of snowpiercer and of other movies that she watches it's silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. You can find us on Twitter at screen underscore queens, on Facebook, facebook.com slash silverscreenqueens, or on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. If you would take the time to rate us on iTunes, that would be awesome too. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.